0: Welcome to The Irony of Beauty, a weekly podcast hosted by skincare experts Fiona and Rose. They love a good chat and sometimes they hit a heated debate about all things skin and nutrition, calling out scaremongering, misinformation and misleading marketing in an ever confusing world of beauty and wellness. Please note, the information provided is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace qualified medical advice. Good morning, Rose. It's Friday. Another week has gone Oh, I
1: love Fridays. It's my favourite day of the week. You have to forgive me if the sounds a little bit odd because I'm in the clinic today working straight after we finish, but uh, I'm very excited for the weekend.
0: That's okay. I think we always sound a bit odd, to be honest. I mean, (laughs) we we do get feedback. Our sound quality isn't the best, but we are technical dinosaurs. So um, (laughs) hopefully we can be forgiven.
1: Well, organic is always best, isn't
0: it? <laughs> organic is always best for sure. Well, today we're talking about the microbiome and not the gut microbiome that probably everyone's already heard about. We're talking about the skin microbiome today. I get asked quite a lot about products that have been um, promoted as microbiome-friendly, Um probiotics, prebiotics, postbiotics, what are they, do they work for the skin, is it the same as the gut, all of that stuff. So I thought we'd unpack that today.
1: Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Um, My clinic is based very much on talking about skin microbiome, gut microbiome and how that all connects for our clients. So it's a topic that we um, talk about quite a lot here. And uh, in the consultation process, I really delve into explaining to clients how much our skin microbiome will basically determine the functionality of our skin, the, the condition of our skin, the integrity of our skin, um, how much it's connected to inflammatory skin conditions, how much it's connected to our gut health, the immune response of our skin, the physiology of our skin. So there's there's so much information when it comes to talking about skin microbiome for sure.
0: Well, I think we all know what the gut microbiome is. Well, I, I presume we do anyway, which is basically a Big ecosystem living in the gut, um, we we now know that the gut microbiome is able to communicate with the skin microbiome and vice versa, which I find quite incredible. But basically, just as we've got a microbiome for the gut and we've got microbiomes all over the body, we've also got a microbiome for the skin. Um, And the skin microbiome is there first and foremost as protection. And that's what our skin is for, right? So we've got the um, physical protection on the skin, which is basically the the skin, the skin cells. We've got um, the pH of the skin, which is also slightly acidic, that is also protecting us from um, pathogens. And we've got the little microorganisms, trillions of microorganisms that are living on our skin. So we've got naturally bacteria, we've got fungi, we've got viruses that are all sitting there living together on our skin, even mites. We've even got things like dust mites on our skin. We've got mites called the demodex mites, um, like little bugs, basically, that are crawling all over us, but microscopic. So we can't hopefully feel or see them. Um, and they're all there living hopefully in harmony, working together to help to protect the skin and protecting the skin from harmful invaders, you know, things like pathogenic bacteria. Um, and that's what they're that's what they're there for. And they're all communicating with each other. And we know that um certain skin conditions their microbiome is slightly different. So we know, say, in an acne or an an eczema skin type, even a rosacea skin, the microbiome has shown to be slightly different. And this is where there's a lot of research now going into the skin microbiome and and microbiome products, which I find quite interesting. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, Look, the key to a healthy skin is having that skin microbiome in in a really beautiful place, in a nice, healthy place. Inflammatory skin conditions is where the skin mi- microbiome is imbalanced, but it's also looking a little bit further than that, right? So our essentially our skin microbiome doesn't just live on the surface of our skin, it actually is in the layers of our skin, right? We are more microorganisms than we are human cells. So those microorganisms are all communicating with each other constantly. Um, and how much that's connected to our gut health is what fascinates me because how we live our life, our diet, um, anything that we ingest will all determine how our gut bacteria are um, expressed, how our genetics are expressed, but that also influences how the skin microbiome behaves. So I guess when it comes to looking at treating inflammatory skin conditions and trying to create a healthy skin, you have to look at the skin microbiome and what influences that to change and behave in a different way. But you also need to look at it on a holistic level, which is what we talk about all the time, and looking at the gut health side of things as well and how that connects to our skin. Um, And that's how we base myself, that's how I base my consultations here in the clinic. It's really getting clients to think a little bit outside the square and understanding why the skin is behaving in a certain way, Um, what can we do about it, how we can tackle things topically, environmentally, internally, lifestyle, all of that to, to settle those skin conditions. So the microbiome is a pretty big thing.
0: It's a really big thing, and I think the research is really still in its infancy. You know, there's, mm. there's still so much we we don't know. Um, I do think it's a bit of a trend with microbiome skincare, and we'll sort of we'll dig into that a little bit in a moment. I think first and foremost, as you said, start with the gut. Um, we really want and and start with the diet. I know I think gut sometimes gets in a way a little bit um, misleading because we, we talk about the gut a lot and it's very important, but ultimately it comes down to our diet and what we put in that's going to affect the gut and the, the microbiome. Um, so it's not as simple as just popping a probiotic. It's ultimately the diet overall and making sure we're getting enough, you know, whole grains, legumes, nuts, seeds, fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, that's what's going to help to support a healthy a healthy gut and a healthy gut microbiome. So we need to get the right fuel for um, a healthy microbiome for the gut. We also know that when the the gut is unhealthy um, and we're not getting the right foods in the diet, maybe it's low in fiber, maybe we're getting a lot of ultra-processed foods, a lot of saturated fat, um, we can see things like increased gut permeability. We can start to see... Um, Um, more sort of inflammation occurring, an increase in what we call lipopolysaccharides, which systemically can affect inflammation, which in turn can have a knock-on effect to the skin microbiome. But even obviously the food we eat can affect the skin microbiome. But also age will affect the skin microbiome. We know that the, the skin microbiome and the pH of the skin changes as we age. So the older we get, the pH actually goes up a little bit. Um, it, it goes more towards um, more of an alkaline environment. It doesn't necessarily become alkaline, but the pH raises. We know that a healthy microbiome on the skin is around, you know, 4.7, 4.9. So as the pH starts to rise. um. The higher the pH of the skin, the more um, it will affect the microbes that are living on the skin. And it can affect it in more of a, a negative way. Um, so we can see more dryness, more skin sensitivity, for example. We also know genetics, just naturally, how what we're what we're prone to can affect the skin and the skin microbiome. And that particularly will affect things like um, conditions such as. Um, eczema or even acne, the gender, because we're going to do a whole separate one on on male skincare. But if we're more prone to oily skin, for example, that's going to create a different fuel source, if you like, or um, a different environment for the microbes. So um, our hormones, how we sleep, and even our stress levels are all going to affect not only the gut microbiome but also the skin microbiome and it's important to understand just as what we eat affects our gut microbiome our environment and what we put on our skin is going to affect our skin microbiome as well
1: mm, most definitely um and then you know it's also about i guess understanding the right skincare to use as well and you're right there is a trend with microbiome friendly skincare Um, And I don't believe that there's a one-size-fits-all with that either. I query that because I don't think all products will suit everybody when it comes to microbiome-friendly skincare. It's nice to have products that do have probiotics, but I think you've got to look at the quality of what you're using and the brand that you're using and what research has gone into, um, I guess, how they formulate their products. I think that's a really big thing to, to learn about as well.
0: It's an interesting one. I think you know I really did a lot of research in this, and I've interviewed um microbiome research experts, you know, people that have um, i I researched quite a while ago and spoke to Dr. Albert Dashi, who's from Sequential skin, does a lot of research into the microbiome. um that's what they actually do now it's it's very interesting area and i know a lot of the big companies the really huge skincare companies are doing a lot of research in this area and i think in the future we will get to a point where we can do almost bespoke skincare um, that possibly does contain live probiotics to target specific skin issues so it's a little bit like the gut. If you just take a random probiotic, then um, how do you know that's the right species and strain that that you need? The same goes for the skin. We know that certain skin conditions like acne, like eczema um, may benefit from certain probiotics, but you don't want that probiotic particularly for everybody else. So I think when it comes to, particular skin conditions or even skin diseases, there is definitely a time and a place to have actually prescription topical probiotics. And I think that will come in the future, but it is very, you know, it it has to be tailored for that individual. There's also the issue of probiotic in a skincare formulation. Because if you think about it, probiotic means it's live bacteria. Um, Skincare has to go through stability testing to prove that it doesn't contain any live bacteria. So to have skincare with live bacteria in it, that's a whole other issue and we're not really there yet. I think you would have to have some kind of live bacteria ampule that is then almost um, prescribed for you and it's not going to be mainstream consumer. Available, So I think that the skincare that says that it's probiotic skincare, I think you have to be very careful with the marketing with that because technically it's not really live bacteria, so it's not really probiotic skincare. And I do think some skincare companies have been caught out for that, um, for misleading advertising. So when companies are saying they have probiotic skincare, usually what it is is either prebiotic or postbiotic skincare not really having live bacteria because we know that you can't put live bacteria in a skincare product and if you did the preservatives probably may counteract the live probiotics so there's a lot of things that um i think need to be thought through when it comes to probiotic skincare what we do know though is the the um ingredients in our skincare can either be pro-skin and pro the, the microbiome for the skin or can work against the microbiome in the skin. So we know that our microbes, they all have different fuel sources, just as they do in the gut. We need to get that diversity in the diet to fuel up the beneficial microbes in the gut. And that's why getting diversity is so important because different microbes need different fuel sources or different foods. The same with the skin microbiome, the different um, microbes need different fuel sources. So for instance, we know that prebiotics are going to be really beneficial for um, the general sort of skin microbiome. So a lot of companies are marketing their products as prebiotic. However, we know naturally the skin produces its own, you know, the food for this for the microbes, and that will be things like your your sebum, fatty acids, um, sweat, urea, all of those types of things are going to be a fuel source for the microbes. Um. So then, when you have the skincare products, a lot of those skincare products may not be marketing them as microbiome friendly, for instance, but they have microbiome friendly ingredients in there. And they may be things like squalene and oils and fatty acids and um, saccharides and those types of ingredients that are going to be really beneficial for the microbes in the skin. They just simply haven't Promoted them. You know, things like beta glucan and and derivatives from oats and rice extracts can all be beneficial for the skin and in a way acting like a prebiotic, but they just haven't marketed that. So I think there's a lot of skincare out there that is beneficial to the microbiome, but it just hasn't marketed it as a microbiome friendly skincare.
1: Yeah, true. Um, We've got some brands. um, I have three brands actually in the clinic that do promote healthy skin microbiome, um, prebiotics. Um, So I have seen some changes in the skin by using those brands. There's one in particular that I've seen probably the most change, and that's Biologic Rajesh. Um, I have seen incredible transformation in the skin. By using that brand because they base their products so much on the yeast, apple cider vinegar, which is really designed to rebuild that epidermis and a healthy skin microbiome. So for everyone listening out there, how do you tell if your skin is in a place where it's impaired or how can you really tell if your microbiome is impaired? So there's certain things that I look for when I first meet a client. Um, And for me, this is the most important thing to treat first, because if you don't get that skin barrier in a good place, if you don't get the microbiome in a healthy place where the skin looks really healthy, um, doesn't matter what treatment you do, you're never going to see the results. So how can you tell if you've got itchy skin, red skin, um, it could be a little bit raised, it could be bumpy, um, there might be a little bit of heat or warmth, you could be getting breakouts, congestion, blackheads, reactivity. There's a lot of things that I look for um, when I'm first diagnosing a client. And unless I get that right first, I don't care if the client wants to try needling, I will solely focus on rebuilding that microbiome before I do any other treatment. And I think that's probably the best advice I could give any of my colleagues out there working with skin, um, rebuild that side of things first. And that does come, yes, with topical skincare, but... It also comes with looking at the client as a whole and their lifestyle and their diet, ingestible support, sleep stress, medication. You know, that will all change the response of the microbiome. Anything that we ingest will impact how our skin microbiome behaves. So, really consulting your client and rebuilding that side of things first is very important. And that's how I determine the best skincare range. And I think for me, Biologic Rajesh has been the one brand that I can honestly say and I say that I have seen the most incredible transformation in rebuilding that side of things for a client.
0: And that's when it comes down to picking a product that's got all those ingredients for- or or skin nutrient ingredients, Mm -hmm. right? So like the prebiotics, like I'm I'm really big into things like hydrolyzed proteins, amino acids. I love all those things for the skin. I love beta-glucan. I love an ingredient. It's called, I think we've spoken about it before called saccharide isomerate. Um, I actually noticed that was in the biologic recherche products. We've spoken about that ingredient before the hydrating ingredient. They've actually got that as well. Um, So sometimes these ingredients are sort of in there, but you don't you don't realize unless somebody explains it to you. Um, so it's all about giving the skin the right nutrients, and that's going to help to support the microbiome. But I also think that the the skin barrier and the microbiome work hand in hand. You can't have um, a healthy skin microbiome without a healthy skin barrier because the the, the two work together. Um, and so it's about if you've got a healthy skin barrier, going to have a healthy or a more healthy skin microbiome. So working on those two things are, are really important. And I think, you know, let's talk about then the effects of an unhealthy skin barrier, an unhealthy skin microbiome, because when we disrupt the skin barrier, we're disrupting the skin microbiome. And this is where it gets interesting because I see a lot of um, skin therapists saying, "Oh, don't use this, this ingredient; it's going to disrupt the skin microbiome. Don't do this. Don't do that." And I think what we need to understand is that so many things are going to disrupt the skin barrier and the microbiome. So even me just doing that, yes, I'm affecting um, my skin microbiome. What we need to understand is that the microbiome of the skin is covered trillions of microorganisms so me doing this or me using a product um, with preservatives in it is not going to wipe out my skin microbiome Um, the skin has evolved over uh, millions of years and it is very robust you know if you were to use um, even neat alcohol on your skin isopropyl alcohol yes that will Um, wipe out the microbes, but they come back very, very, very quickly um, because there's trillions there and that's what they're designed to do. It's there as a a defense mechanism. Now, the more um, ingredients we use that are going to disrupt the microbiome, the more we're going to potentially impair it, but the skin is very resilient and that microbiome will come back we need to make sure that we're sort of supporting the skin barrier to give the right nutrients for the microbiome. Um, But we don't completely wipe it out. Even if you use something like soap, which is very alkaline, and we know alkaline um, products are going to be disruptive to the microbiome, it will still come back. And this is where it's interesting. People get very caught up on the pH of the skin. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, an ideal environment for the microbiome is around 4.7 to 4.9. So that that is the best environment for healthy microbes, if you like. So when we start going really low pH or really high pH, we're, we're again upsetting the microbiome. And this is why I find it interesting, you know, these skin-tightening enzyme masks that a lot of... Um, therapists are recommending, they definitely have their time and a place, but they're very alkaline. Right. And we know the minute we go above a pH of about 8.5, and a lot of these masks are about 8.59, um, when we go to such a an alkaline pH for skin products, you are going to disrupt the microbiome. So that is why quite often after these masks, you'll get that real dryness after um. The treatment and you know oh yeah it's wonderful tightening and it's getting the lymphatic flow going but it also can be extremely drying and sensitizing on the skin if you use it on the wrong skin Um, so we do need to use these products with caution saying that you can rebalance the ph of the skin straight after if you've got the right products and make sure you put sort of prebiotic rich products on after and also postbiotics, you know, postbiotics would be things like amino acids and fatty acids and vitamins, you know, B vitamins and um lysates. They're also a type of pro- probiotic, um, which is basically the what most companies are saying are probiotics. They're not, they're actually postbiotics and they're they're lysates. So they're basically the molecules that are broken down by the probiotics when they were in their living state to produce postbiotics. So they're all beneficial for the microbiome, but the pH, I think, is is very important. Um, I also know some skin therapists say preservatives will wipe out the microbiome. They don't. They can upset the microbiome. We know that um, in studies, certain skincare ingredients will be more detrimental to certain microorganisms. Preservatives um, can affect certain microorganisms on the skin. We also know some preservatives are more detrimental than others. Mm. But preservatives are very important to protect against um, pathogenic microbes in products. And interestingly, some preservatives in products have shown to actually be beneficial for the microbiome. And that's because they can protect against the growth of um, certain pathogenic microbes on the skin and also protect against the formation of what we call biofilms. So to say that preservatives are detrimental to the skin in the microbiome sense is simply incorrect we've got to look at the bigger picture it also depends what else is added to that product Um, it's not a case of this ingredient is in there so it's bad and this ingredient is in there so it's good it's the combination of ingredients that is finally going to make a product good or bad Probably one of the most detrimental things to the microbiome ingredient-wise would be things like surfactants, um, which are a type of emulsifier, if you like. Now, surfactants, and this is why I'm, I'm sort of more pro your single cleanse, right? Um, surfactants um, will kill or disrupt the microbes in the skin, but you can't get away from them because they're found in cleansers. So you mm-hmm. cannot have a cleanser without a surfactant. And this is why we always say over-cleansing will disrupt the skin barrier and disrupt the microbiome. And that is why, where possible, I'm a, I am ai like to recommend one cleanse and use a cleansing cloth, and that should be enough rather than double or triple cleanse, which is what some people do. Ultimately, though, it depends on the cleanser. So if you've got a, a cleanser that's a very strong surfactant and doesn't have the prebiotics and the postbiotics in there, um, it's going to be more stripping and upsetting to the microbiome than a cleanser that is more gentle surfactants that has also got, you know, beautiful prebiotics and things like beta glucan or lysates in there or polysaccharides that are going to counteract any detrimental effect from um, the drying effects of the surfactants. So it's not as simple as one ingredient is good or bad. It is, as we always say, that combination of the final formula that is going to be important. But we know surfactants, emulsifiers, um, artificial fragrance, even, even some essential oils, not all essential oils, um, will be more antimicrobial than others. So any product that we put on the skin will disrupt the microbiome, um, but some are going to be more beneficial for the microbiome. And it ultimately comes down to the the final formulation, I believe.
1: Correct. Yeah. Everything you said is 100% spot on. Um, I find it fascinating to how much skin changes according to our immunity. So we know how much there is a very intimate relationship with our immune system our, our skin does have that type of relationship um you know how much our gut in, uh, flora impacts the way that our skin behaves i've seen it time and time again with clients you know from one month to the next how much things can change so dramatically even just through environment through travel um if they've been unwell and had antibiotics um you know any medical changes um if they've had an illness you know things do change from from month to month so i always do check in with my clients and, and reassess their skin at every visit for that reason but i find it fascinating how much it's relative to our immunity so you know the response of the skin will definitely change if we have been unwell or if we've had antibiotics um so yeah I just I just want to say that.
0: <laughs> it it definitely does if you think the the microbes on the skin are also responsible and play a role in the production of antimicrobial peptides which is part of the immune uh, response and also the microbes communicate with our own immune cells on the skin as well which is is fascinating. Yeah. Um so sometimes that will all be upregulated depending on what that foreign invader is. Um, we know things like ultraviolet light will affect the microbiome, it will affect the immune response of the skin, even the climate, um, the humidity. So microbes will microbes will um, produce, if you like, differently in different environments. So heat, humidity um, is more of a breeding ground for certain bacteria. And we know, for instance, even on the body, the microbiome on the face is very different to the microbiome on the scalp and under the arms and even on the the feet. And I was reading somewhere that apparently the microbiome on the feet um, is the least stable if you like of all the microbiomes um, which is quite interesting because if we think about it the feet are more prone to things like verrucas and um, fungal infections and things like that um, and it might also be because our poor little feet get you know kept in you know socks and shoes and tights and in that hot humid environment right so they're more prone to different um, microbes fungi infections and viruses and things like that um, which I find quite quite interesting um the the scalp has got you know more prone to dandruff and and um that type of microbiome as well so it is really interesting that the environment you know the humidity all of that can affect our microbiome that's also why as well you know if somebody's going to the gym a lot and they're working out and they're getting hot and they're getting sweaty that heat and sweat and humidity will also promote the growth of certain microbes, in particular things like the Malassezia. Um, I can never say it correctly, um, which is a type of yeast on the skin. Yeah. Um, and that can make us more prone to certain forms of dermatitis and also things like um, fungal acne, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so making sure that we very gently clean the skin after working out and removing sort of excess sweat and humidity, can be beneficial because that change in environment can really affect the um microbes on the skin as well even things like pollution so we know for instance if people work in kitchens you know where there's oil in the environment and heat and humidity they can be more prone to break out on the skins we know that even in the winter and the summer our skin will change right um and that's got a lot to do with the amount of sebum we're producing and also the the microbes and the fuel source that's available for the microbes on the skin as well. And that is why if you go on holiday, even if you haven't been in the sun, I saw someone the other day actually posting, oh, my God, my skin's got so dry and I'm also breaking out. And it must be because I'm, you know, I think they said it was to do with the food they were eating but I'm thinking it's probably more likely to do with the environment and the microbiome changing and you've been through stress you've been through dehydration on the plane um and that is going to be affecting your skin and then of course probably doesn't help having a lot of alcohol and rich food if you're on holiday as well which some people do I I tend not to <laughs> um But some people do find that, you know, holiday is just a a free for all and they eat and drink and party. And for me, it's the opposite. I just want to rest and relax. Um, So I think the microbiome is a very complex, complex um, subject. And I do think there'll be more research in the future where we can actually isolate what a skin is missing, you know, in eczema, for instance, and then be able to put that particular microbe back into the skin. But for the general population, just making sure we've got skincare that has got all of the nutrients that the skin needs for a healthy microbiome is important. And just reducing, you know, over exfoliation, over-stripping, over-cleansing, um, changing the pH, you know, harsh pH products, you know, alkaline soaps not great for the skin, they will strip and dry. Being aware of those things can make a, a huge difference to the, the skin barrier and the the skin microbiome.
1: Definitely. And, and even skin treatments um, will impact the skin microbiome as well. So it's important, I guess, when you are looking at treating a client, you've got to really understand that client and understand that skin before you determine what type of treatment you're going to do. So if things have changed or circumstances have changed, from one month to the next for a client in between visits you need to reassess that client every time and really understand what's going on with the skin before you decide any procedure um, and I'm very big on that so I always you know check in and reconsult you know especially if a client has been bought purchased a new product cuz they've seen something on TikTok and they're over exfoliating um drying out their skin removing too much of that oil automatically your skin's going to be you know disrupted so it's just about constantly checking in um, and ensuring that, you know, we are living generally a quite a healthy lifestyle and ensuring that we're, you know, in a good place all the time, you know, reducing stress, sleep, all the things that we talk about in every single podcast, Fiona. You know, I
0: know. Yeah. Um, what is interesting though, I do notice the more I do to my skin or if I have too many treatments because um, I have been trying a lot of treatments lately and people must think, my God, that girl's always having skin treatments. And I do get invited to try treatments, which I'm very grateful for. But when I do too many, I notice my skin starts to get a little bit sensitive and then I'm like, okay, right. I, I need to have a little break now because it's it's getting a little bit um, sensitive. And they're not too invasive treatments, but just doing too much in general for my skin, I find particularly on the cheeks can be can be quite sensitizing. But what totally. what does make me laugh, Rose, and this is the whole irony of beauty, is, you know, when people get, you know, oh, you've got to use this product for your microbiome and they're giving you, people are trying to sell you a product for the microbiome, but then in the next breath saying, come in for a peel or come in for skin needling and using a isopropyl wipe over the face to, to sort of um, remove any <laughs> You know, so sort of. Oh, I just to cleanse the skin, and they're using sort of isopropyl to do that. Um, And in the next breath, saying don't use that because it's going to disrupt the microbiome. Or, you know, I, I think in this industry, there's so many ironies that we say, don't use this because it will strip the microbiome and the skin barrier. And the next breath, come in for a treatment. I'm going to use a really acidic peel um, or a really alkaline product or isopropyl alcohol all over your face because I've got to prep it for the skin needling. Um, and that's all going to be disruptive to the skin barrier and the microbiome. Now, I'm not saying don't do it because there's a time and a place for everything. And sometimes we actually do want to disrupt the microbiome because it may be completely already disrupted and we we kind of in a way want to sort of do these treatments to help rebuild and support it and I'm a big believer in a time and a place for everything but it's when people get on these sort of black and white bandwagons and sort of preach one thing and say don't use don't use a preservative when they're using other products that are actually going to be more detrimental to the microbiome and the the pH of the skin That's when I think we need to start using critical thinking rather than sort of saying that person's bad because they're doing peels. Well, you've got to look at each skin type individually and determine is that going to be beneficial or is that going to be detrimental? There's no black and white when it comes to skin. I think everybody is unique and in some cases peels can be really beneficial when used correctly by And performed by the right person. And in other instances, appeal can be really detrimental on the wrong skin type. And that's where I think we need to understand the difference.
1: Totally. Um, And it's about understanding the skin. You have to understand the skin and connect the connect the dots with that client before you can even start treating. Don't don't live your life by default. That's the philosophy that I have. I don't live my life by default. I always think outside the square and constantly evolve and grow and how I can professionally and personally develop. And as a therapist, you have to think like that as well. You cannot treat every single client in the same way, just because peels are good for acne. And yes, they are. But you also have to look at your client and understand your why. What are you trying to achieve with this client? What do you want to do? What needs to be addressed to create that healthy skin? So you can't just assume there's no one size fits all. And I guess that's why I have a little bit of an issue and everyone has the right to run their business the way that they want. But these mainstream clinics that sell packages of things, I'm not a, a fan of because you cannot treat skin one size fits all. Um, you cannot treat every single client. Okay, I need to see you every two weeks. We're going to do three peels and then we're going to do three needling and then come back with three peels. You can't do that. You, that's no way of treating skin. Um, and I'm glad that the industry is evolving. I'm glad that more research is being done to understand our microbiome and how much it connects to our inner health. I'm so passionate about this, which is why I love talking to you the most and spreading the word and getting the message out there to everybody because we are creating clarity. We're providing that education that's missing um, and helping clients to understand why they're seeing what they're seeing on their skin. How can we manage rosacea better? How can we manage acne better? How can we understand it better? Psoriasis, eczema, dermatitis, there is so much more to it than just what you see on the skin. There's a much deeper understanding. I think the more we talk about this, I get more excited and I'm getting very passionate at the moment (laughs) Um, because I just think, you know, we're in such an amazing industry and the more we learn, the more we grow and we can really help clients at the end of the
0: day. 100%. I, I totally agree with you. It's actually when we start to see the improvements on the skin and we can get the skin into its optimum skin health that's when it gets really exciting for me. You know, I've been doing this for over 30 years now, but I love it. I love it with a passion because for me it's so much more than, I know, rubbing a cream on your face. It's about, yeah. it's about building confidence, confidence and it's about empowerment and it's about really making a difference because when your skin feels and looks good, you feel good and then you feel confident. And for exactly. me... That's the best feeling and that's what I like to help people with.
1: Yeah, and I get excited when excited when clients want to know. Um, I love it when they ask me questions. I, I love when clients get excited and want to know more information and what else can I do to help my skin? I want to look good as I get older. Why do I have rosacea? Um, it's really upsetting me and, and confidence is a big thing. It does impact a person's level of self-confidence to such a degree for those people that are experiencing things like rosacea um acne like i said dermatitis eczema psoriasis it can be debilitating um you know so i think the more we can educate the more we create a better understanding it's just going to impact their life on such a positive level um yeah for the clients overall
0: i agree so i think the main takeaways from today then really are um you know try and avoid the detrimental things for the microbiome such as sort of over-cleansing, over-exfoliating, sort of really harsh products and harsh ingredients, um, try and sort of avoid upsetting that that natural pH of the skin. And, and using skincare products that, that don't necessarily have to be marketed for microbiome, it, it's about understanding the ingredients that are already in there. So do they have ingredients that are going to support the skin microbiome. So, do they have the fatty acids, the lipids, the, the ceramides, the squalene, the, the nutrients in there? Um, also, the importance of again, we say it every podcast: healthy, healthy lifestyle, healthy diet, um, and try and minimize stress. Exactly. Well, I look forward to t- uh, talking to you on the next one, Rose, because I think we're talking about the men's skincare in the next episode. But until then. Have a great weekend. See you soon.